unto me a protecting God and a house of refuge to save me. For you are my support and my refuge, and for the sake of your name, you will lead me and nourish me. In you, O Lord, I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your justice set me free. Incline your ear to me, and speedily rescue me. Release me from the snare they have hidden. For you indeed are my refuge. Into your hands I commend my spirit. You will redeem me, O Lord, O faithful God. You detest those who serve empty idols. As for me, I trust in the Lord. Let me be glad and rejoice in your mercy, for you have seen my affliction and taken heed of my soul's distress. Have not left me in the hands of the enemy, but set my feet at large. Be unto me. A protecting God and a house of refuge to save me. For you are my support and my refuge, and for the sake of your name, you will lead me and nourish me.
of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Brethren, let us acknowledge our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God, and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, and what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I bless Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sin, and bring us to everlasting life. Oh, 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 oh,
O God, who teach us that you abide in hearts that are just and true, grant that we may be so fashioned by your grace as to become a dwelling place pleasing to you. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of Sirach. If you choose, you can keep the commandments. They will save you. If you trust in God, you too shall live. He has set before you fire and water. To whichever you choose, stretch forth your hand. Before man are life and death, good and evil. Whichever he chooses shall be given him. Immense is the wisdom of the Lord. He is mighty in power and all-seeing. The eyes of God are on those who fear him. He understands man's every deed. No one does he command to act unjustly. To none does he give license to sin. The word of the Lord. Your statutes, 
that I may exactly observe them. Give me discernment that I may observe your law and keep it with all my heart. Blessed are they who follow the law of the Lord. reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, we speak a wisdom to those who are mature, not a wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. Rather, we speak God's wisdom, mysterious, hidden, which God predetermined before the ages for our glory, and which none of the rulers of this age knew. For if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what eye has not seen and ear has not heard and what has not entered the human heart, what God has prepared for those who love him, this God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit scrutinizes everything, even the depths of God. The word of the Lord. According to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. 
Amen, I say to you, until heaven and earth passes away, not the smallest letter or the smallest part of a letter will pass from the law until all things have taken place. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do so will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever obeys and teaches these commandments will be called greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to your ancestors, you shall not kill, and whoever kills will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment, and whoever says to the brother Raka will be answerable to the Sanhedrin, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the fiery of Gehenna. Therefore, if you bring your gifts to the altar and there recall that your brother has anything against you, leave your gift there at the altar. Go first and be reconciled with your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Settle with your opponents quickly while on the way to court. Otherwise, your opponent will hand you over to the judge, and the judge will hand you over to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Amen, I say to you, you will not be released until you have paid the last penny. You have heard it said, it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than to leave your whole body thrown into Gehenna. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of the members than to have your whole body go into Gehenna. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife must give her a bill of divorce. But I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, unless the marriage is unlawful, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to your ancestors, do not take a false oath, but make good to the Lord all you now vow. But I say to you, do not swear at all, not by heaven, for it is God's throne, not by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Do not swear by your head, for you cannot make a single hair white or black. Let your yes mean yes, and your no mean no. Anything more is from the evil one. The Gospel of the Lord. gospel we just heard 
contains some of the seemingly most outlandishly unreasonable statements in all the gospel, right? Jesus tells us, it seems extreme to the utmost, right? If we actually repeated this in the public square, I think we would be accused of religious extremism. He says, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and throw it away. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away because it's better to enter into life maimed than, uh, than to enter whole into fiery Gehenna. It seems like foolishness. Now, uh, let me give a, like a disclaimer before I proceed here. I, I, I'm not suggesting that any of you maim your bodies after this gospel. However, I think a, a really good starting point for reading scripture is to say when God himself speaks to us, we need to take it seriously. And the starting point for taking it seriously is not to say that Jesus doesn't mean what he says. We have to take him at his word and take him seriously. So while perhaps we're not going to go home and pluck our eyes out or cut, the, cut our hands off, we do have to attend to the seriousness of what Jesus is telling us which uh, perhaps troubles our heart because it seems like foolishness. It would be much more reasonable, reasonable to say if my eye is somehow causing me to sin, uh, let me work on making my eye not sin anymore and then I'll solve the problem and I'll have both my eyes, right? I don't, I don't get it, Jesus, right? So, um, however, if we're gonna talk about what seems foolish coming out of the mouth of Jesus, let's go back to the beautiful reading that we have from Corinthians. And I, I really love uh, this first couple chapters from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. And wouldn't you know, in it, he is talking about the difference between worldly wisdom and God's wisdom. And God's wisdom looks like foolishness to the world is what St. Paul says, right? And, uh, there's this wonderful passage here. As it is written, what eye has not seen, an ear has not heard, and what has not entered the human heart, what God has prepared for those who love him, this God has revealed to us through the Spirit. Now, very often, I think, especially with the, with the Pauline letters, right, if, we, if we're not in the habit of reading scripture, if we're not in the habit of sitting down and reading Paul's letter from beginning to end, then what happens is we hear these passages come up every couple years at Mass, or we hear individual verses taken out of their context and quoted to us. Uh, and sometimes what, when, when, when that happens, when we only know a, a, a quote out of context, we lose a lot of its meaning. Now, I had a professor in seminary, a scripture professor, who he used to say all the time that the whole gospel is contained on every word of the scripture, or on every page of the scriptures. And I always thought that was a beautiful saying, and I think it's to some extent true. And so uh, if we take any line out of scripture and really meditate on it, I think it's gonna produce a lot of wealth. So for instance, this passage, and this is one that you might see like sewed on a pillow cover, or like hung up on you know, decorative word art on the wall, right? What eye has not seen and ear has not heard, what has not entered the human heart, what God has prepared for those who love him, this God has revealed to the Spirit. And I think, uh, I think most often when we hear or read this passage, our minds go to, wow, heaven is going to be amazing, right? Nothing that we've ever seen or even heard of or imagined is what's waiting for us there. And I think that's a, that's a fine and beautiful thing to take out of that scripture. But we also, if we want to really plumb the depths of it, we need to put that scripture back into its context, into the context of uh, the whole of St. Paul's letter. 
And the context in which this passage comes out, St. Paul is talking to us, as I said, about that dialogue between God's wisdom, which seems like folly to man, and human wisdom. And within that context, what this passage means in its most literal sense is he is, tell, he is arguing against the Corinthians' desire to find truth through philosophy and through worldly wisdom like all of their Greek neighbors. And what he's telling them is the wisdom of God is not something that we discover uh, through our own reason. It's not something that we, we come to and find through searching. It's something that's revealed to us, spoken to us by God himself, and made knowable to us by the Holy Spirit. And that truth makes itself all the more evident when we realize how unwise God's wisdom seems to be. Because what does Paul tell us before this? He says, uh, I preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. He says, I, I've been very careful actually, he says, when I, when I come to you, to bring no worldly wisdom, but to speak only of Christ crucified. Worldly wisdom looks at these words, Jesus says, says, do whatever you need to do to deliver yourself from sin. Pluck out your eye, cut off your hand, whatever you got to do not to sin, do it. That seems like foolishness to us because worldly wisdom says it's always prudent to keep something in reserve. It's always wise to keep something held back. Yes, follow the Lord. Yes, do your best. But, you know, let's, uh, let's keep something in the bank, right? Let, let's, let's keep an account full in case we fall on hard times, right? That's what worldly wisdom says to us. And God's wisdom says, no, give it all away. An image came to me this morning that I think is somewhat fitting uh, to what I'm trying to say today. And I, I thought about uh, prenuptial agreements, right? Because from the perspective of worldly wisdom, prenuptial agreements are very wise. They're very prudent. Right? And, the, and it's, they, they seem to, ha, you know, it's, it's aimed towards having your cake and eating it too. It's aimed towards giving yourself away to a person in marriage, but also prudently keeping something back just in case it doesn't work out. But when we think about it, when we really think about it, a prenuptial agreement sort of makes the whole idea of self-gift impossible. How is it that we can prudently prepare for the dissolution of something that God tells us is indissoluble? And how is it that I can say to another person, I am going to give myself to you completely, unreservedly, and irrevocably when I'm also providing for what happens when I revoke what I've given? Worldly wisdom says, let's prepare for things to fall apart. Let's prepare for things not to work out. Let's, uh, let's keep something in reserve uh, just in case. But this is not how the Lord is with us. The Lord doesn't come to us preaching worldly wisdom. What the Lord, the wisdom of God that's revealed to us by the gospel, by St. Paul, by the church, the wisdom of God is the cross, Jesus Christ crucified. And it is foolishness to the Gentiles. And it's scandalous to the Jews who are looking for power. Jesus Christ crucified. But to those of us being saved, it is the power of God and the wisdom of God. That is what St. Paul tells us. And what, are we, what wisdom is being shown to us in the crucified Christ? Well, God is revealing to us that he is love 
and it's a love that is completely self-giving. It is a love that holds nothing back. It's a love that draws no boundaries. It's a love that makes no prenuptial agreements, right? God doesn't hold anything back from us. He gives himself to us utterly, completely, totally, without reserve, and without uh, revoking what he gives. He also has given us this beautiful gift of freedom. And what he calls us to do with that freedom is to become like him. And what is he like? Well, we just saw. He gives himself away completely without reservation, without taking back what he's given. The Lord draws no boundaries with us, and he calls us to draw no boundaries with him. This is the wisdom that he reveals to us. It is not an earthly wisdom, brothers and sisters. There's no way we could sit down and rationally think our way to this being a good way to live. It's foolishness. It's foolishness to throw everything away for God. It's foolishness to say to the Lord, I can't even see you, but I'm going to hold nothing back. From a worldly perspective, that is foolishness, but that is the wisdom of God. And for those of us who are being saved, it's the power of God. And so we go to the gospel, and we look at the law. And we see now, this, the law is not something that we came to by our own reason. It's not just natural law. It's something that God revealed to us. And Jesus tells us, I have come not to abolish the law, not to free you from the law, not to do away with the law, but to fulfill it. And until the end, not one letter of the law will pass away. Well, what does that mean that he wants to fulfill the law? It means he wants, to, he actually is coming to take the law to its end. The reason that God gave us the law to begin with, the reason he spoke that wisdom to us, is not simply to give us a set of external rules to govern our actions. What the law is actually ordered towards is the transformation of the human person. In other words, God ultimately, because he wants us and he wants us to be like him, he is not satisfied simply with us following the rules. The rules are in place to begin to form and shape us. Sort of like the way, you know, your children, uh, you probably restrict their freedom quite a bit, but it's actually ordered towards making them free, right? God gives us these laws that in a sense restricts our movement, but it's actually ordered towards making us free. It's ordered towards making us people who no longer need the law. So the Lord is not satisfied with us abstaining from certain restrictions, right? Rather, he says, you don't just need to act charitably, you need to be charitable. You don't need, just need to act chastely, you need to be chaste. And it seems unreasonable. Lord, I'm not sleeping with my neighbor's wife. What more can you ask of me? Well, he asks more. He asks you to not want to sleep with your neighbor's wife, to not think about it, to be the sort of person that has no inclination that's the sort of perfection that God calls us to. But brothers and sisters, we so badly want to draw boundaries. We so badly want to hold things back. We so badly want to keep something in reserve for the Lord. And it actually seems unreasonable because, because worldly wisdom says, you know, maintain your borders. And that's what we want to do with God. But what Jesus tells us is you, you can hold nothing back. It can be no other way. And why? Because the Lord of the universe, who is truth itself, is someone who holds nothing back. How can we be like him when we won't give him everything? So maybe we don't, the idea of plucking out our eyes and cutting off our hands is grotesque. Let's think about things that are less grotesque but no less real. I'm just going to name a couple of examples just to kind of put some flesh on these bones. Right? Uh, if, let's say if we have... Uh, Let's say we have an addiction involving computers, right? And our computer is an occasion for us to sin. 
and we can't seem to kick it. How many of us are willing, this is not cutting off your eye or cutting off your hand or plucking at your eye. How many of us are willing to say, you know what, I'm going to get rid of my computer. I'm going to get rid of my smartphone. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to deprive myself of some convenience, but I'm going to do what's necessary for me to be delivered from sin. How many of us are willing to do that? Or let's say that we have a wound that somebody has placed in our hearts. And I, and I, I don't mean like a spat or a disagreement you had with a friend. I'm talking about somebody who really, really hurt you. And you hold on to hatred in your heart. And you say to God, essentially, I'll give you whatever you want, but I won't give you this. I won't forgive. I won't reconcile. I won't let go. Right? I've earned this pain, and I'm not going to let you take it from me. Right? Perhaps it's our children's vocation. Right? Maybe, maybe we have a plan or a vision that we, we've imagined since our children were babies, what kind of life is going to make them happy. And if uh, they're considering a life that's different than the one that I plan for them, maybe I have uh, discomfort with that. Or maybe it's my finances. Maybe I'll tell the Lord, you can take so much, but only so much. Right? How many of us, if we find ourselves in a job that's leading us to sin, either because there's something unethical in the job itself or because of something about the work environment, how many of us are willing to say, you know what, I know this is going to put me uh, on bad footing for a while, but if this is causing me to sin, i got to get rid of it. I, gotta give, I can't hold anything back from God. How many of us really are willing to do that? How many of us, if we have a relationship in our lives, are willing to uproot it if that relationship is a cause for sin, right? There are so many things we want to hold back from the Lord, right? It could, be, uh, it could be our fertility. It could be what we do with our time, right? Whatever it is. There are so many ways that we say to the Lord, I'll give you this much, but no further. You got to leave me something for myself. That's worldly wisdom, brothers and sisters, but in the eyes of God, that is foolishness. So the Lord calls us to today. It's, and maybe it's none of those things that I just mentioned. Maybe it's something really hidden and deep in your heart. Maybe it's something that I couldn't even possibly guess at. But the Lord calls us to go at those things that prevent us from giving ourselves completely, unreservedly, irrevocably to him. And whatever it is that's causing us to sin, whatever it is that's keeping us from completely aligning our will to his, we've got to cut it off and throw it away. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. Through him all things were made, for us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary, and became man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, he suffered death and was buried, and rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven, 
and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Together we bring our prayers to God and ask him to hear our petitions. For the Pope and all the clergy, may God sustain them in reminding, remaining faithful to his perfected law. Let us pray to the Lord. For government leaders, may God give them strength in working tirelessly to uphold the dignity and sanctity of human life from conception through natural death. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the sick, may their suffering be joined with the suffering of Christ, and may they be consoled through this redemption sharing of his cross. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For those gathered here today and for those we love, May God open our hearts to the goodness of his love. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For those who have died, may the mercy of God cleanse them so that they may enjoy the fullness of his kingdom. Let us pray to the Lord. Father, hear these prayers of your sons and daughters. We ask them through your Son, Christ our Lord. Amen.
Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May this oblation, O Lord, we pray, cleanse and renew us, and may it become for those who do your will the source of eternal reward. Through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right to give you thanks. Truly just to give you glory, Father most holy. For you are the one God, living and true, existing before all ages and abiding for all eternity, dwelling in unapproachable light. Yet you, who alone are good, the source of life, have made all that is, so that you might fill your creatures with blessings and bring joy to many of them by the glory of your light. And so in your presence are countless hosts of angels, who serve you day and night, and gazing upon the glory of your face, glorify you who without ceasing. With them we too confess your name in exultation, giving voice to every creature under heaven as we acclaim.
We give you praise, Father most holy, for you are great, and you have fashioned all your works in wisdom and in love. You formed man in your own image and entrusted the whole world to his care, so that in serving you alone, the Creator, he might have dominion over all creatures. And when through disobedience he had lost your friendship, you did not abandon him to the domain of death, for you came in mercy to the aid of all, so that those who seek might find you. Time and again you offered them covenants and through the prophets taught them to look forward to salvation. And you so loved the world, Father most holy, that in the fullness of time, you sent your only begotten Son to be our Savior. Made incarnate by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, he shared our human nature in all things but sin. To the poor, he proclaimed the good news of salvation, to prisoners, freedom, and to the sorrowful of heart, joy. To accomplish your plan, he gave himself up to death, and rising from the dead, he destroyed death and restored life. And that we might live no longer for ourselves, but for him who died and rose again for us, he sent the Holy Spirit from you, Father, as the first fruits for those who believe, so that bringing to perfection his work in the world, he might sanctify creation to the full. Therefore, O Lord, we pray, may this same Holy Spirit graciously sanctify these offerings, that they may become the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ for the celebration of this great mystery, which he himself left us as an eternal covenant. For when the hour had come for him to be glorified by you, Father most holy, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And while they were at supper, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, taking the chalice filled with the fruit of the vine, he gave thanks and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it. For this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which we poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. History of faith. We proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we now celebrate the memorial of our redemption, we remember Christ's death and his descent to the realm of the dead. We proclaim his resurrection and his ascension to your right hand. And as we await his coming in glory, we offer you his body and blood, the sacrifice acceptable to you, which brings salvation to the whole world. Look, O Lord, upon the sacrifice which you yourself have provided for your church, and grant in your loving kindness to all who partake of this one bread and one chalice, that gathered into one body by the Holy Spirit, they may truly become a living sacrifice in Christ, to the praise of your glory. Therefore, Lord, remember now all for whom we offer this sacrifice, especially your servant Francis, our Pope, Thomas, our Bishop, Eduardo, his assistant, and the whole order of bishops, all the clergy, those who take part in this offering, those gathered here before you, your entire people, and all who seek you with a sincere heart. Remember also those who have died in the peace of your Christ and all the dead whose faith you alone have known. To all of us, your children, grant, O merciful Father, 
that we may enter into a heavenly inheritance with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, and with your apostles and saints in your kingdom. There, with the whole of creation, freed from the corruption of sin and death, may we glorify you through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit, let us offer each other the sign of peace. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. 
Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. fully, fully satisfied. The Lord gave them all that they desired. They were not deprived of their wants. They ate and were fully satisfied. The Lord gave them all that they desired. Give ear, my people, to my teaching. <clears throat> Incline your ear to the words of my mouth. The things we have heard and understood. <clears throat> the things our fathers have told us. These we will hide from their children. But will tell them to the next generation. Yet he commanded the clouds above. And open the gates of heaven. These we will not hide from their children. But will tell them to the next generation. He rained down manna to eat. And gave them bread from heaven. Man ate the bread of angels. He sent them abundance of food. He rained flesh upon them like dust. Winged fowl like the sands of the sea. He let it fall in the midst of their camp. And all around their tents. They ate and were fully satisfied. The Lord gave them all that they desired. They were not deprived of their wants. Glory be to the Father and to the Son. And to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be. World without end.